0: i'm nick and welcome to the <laughs> Trap one podcast i'm mark
1: hello i'm colin
0: i'm keith so last time we threw it all together we were talking about the trial of a time lord the blu-ray collection box set uh, which obviously saw the the exit of perry as a companion um, but was she killed or did she end up as a warrior a queen of the crontep with king ukranos um, what uh, what did you? I don't think we talked about it in the podcast. But what, what did you guys think of her exit? What was the which which is your sort of preferred version of events?
1: I would have preferred it if they they had left it with the pathos. I thought it was an incredibly for them. I thought I think my warp is great. I think it's twisty turny. It's got great great dark kind of visuals and soundtrack. Great set design. Um, it's really. Uh, and I think the ending was so kind of shocking for 80s television Doctor Who that it should have stood. Um, and they, they, the what they did in episode 14, it was kind of like, OK, we're, we're backing down from that. But what they should have done, and I think some others have commented on this, is um, he should have got Bonnie Lankford in the TARDIS and go, would you excuse me for a moment? I've just got to do something. And then pops back and sorts this out, and gets her out of there and interferes. Uh, and, you know, the, the timelines was all right. He is interfering with his own history. And that would have been just, if you were going to do something like that to sort of correct it, then at least do something like that where it's not just like like a a fucking heart on the screen using Quantel, you know? Um uh, and and do that. So that's my opinion. <laughs> just setting the trend for the future. You die, then you come back.
2: So it's uh, show that Philip Martin was ahead of the time, so It was uh, um, GNT. I adore Mind Walk. Well, I think it is extremely over- underrated. I think um, it was the last time it actually made me jump when the Luke Cozad turn around. That was the last time Doc you ever made me go. And uh, I think the ending is brilliant. And undermining perry's death was a tragic mistake and i'm so glad they did it because i'm glad she survived i'm glad she's in all the audios and i'm glad she's still with us so <laughs> i'm a hypocrite and i don't care uh,
0: so have you guys listened to the big finish i think it's a companion chronicle called perry and the piscon paradox
1: <laughs> Is a for you, to say? <laughs> you know me and big finish i'll um i'll basically just like like it but not listen to it so no i haven't <laughs> sorry <laughs> Uh,
2: I will have done, I've got them all. So, um, it's the one where the doctor pretends to be a fish. And yeah, it was written by her partner, so she's got a lovely, nice part, part in it. And I can't remember much about it other than Colin yeah, Baker being a fish. It's
0: a really lovely story. Uh, as you say, it's written by Nev Fountain. Um, the first part is the younger Perry just before the caves of Androzani traveling with the fifth doctor who meets her future self, and the fish monster, who we learn in the second part, is the Sixth Doctor, disguised as a fish doctor. Is she some sort of media celebrity? It's very sort of um, moving at the end, but the, the upshot that is that the, the Time Lords messed around with her life so much that there are actually multiple Perries. So there's the, the Perry that went to live on Krontep, there's one who had her memory wiped, like Jamie and Zoe, and was put back on Earth after the events of Planet of Fire, and then and that's the one that's the future version of her that she meets, where she's an agony ant. Um, and her, her um, TV show is called Worrier Queen. Oh, <laughs> um, I say, he's just a really yeah. witty. He,
1: he is very witty. I've read I've read one of his books.
0: Um the Mervyn Storm books is it? Yes,
1: I've got I've got all three and he signed them for me. Um uh and uh I read the first one uh and there were there were some laugh out loud moments in that because it it it's just like there's references to like C or BBC micros and conventions as well which he must have been to like thousands <laughs> right um so there's some really great sort of inappropriate lines in there and uh, I remember really liking it. So he's and well, of course he's he's the the one of the main writers on Dead Ringers, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, now I should listen to more of Nev. I think at the end of
2: one of the uh, Target books, um, Perry ends up going back on Earth with Eucaris as a wrestler, and her being the trainer or the uh, manager.
1: I read, yeah. What's that? Is that
2: not
0: in the end of Mind Warp? I think that's the Target novelization of Mind Warp, isn't it? Right. Why do they keep screwing it up? <laughs> just let it. Let just. Oh. You know, uh, it's hard to imagine what, uh, what confluence of events would lead um, would lead him to uh, give up his throne <laughs> to, yeah. to go a, wrestler, uh, a on Earth. A love of a good woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then this is something I came across when I was reading, but I haven't heard, is that there is a main range big finish called The Widow's Assassin. You're bound to have heard this one, Keith. It's not one that I've heard which... Believe also picks up um, Perry's life. That starts a whole arc of thing where
2: she starts travelling with the doctor again. There's a whole series of adventures now where she's travelling close to Minewalk.
1: Ah, right on.
2: Which yeah, is I confusing guess. because they're using her, like, eat these pictures on the covers, but they thought it'd be a perfect opportunity to use her um, present appearance, which is still very glamorous. So uh, I can't see why they can't use her present uh, appearance because they did with uh, Sarah Sutton for a little while, didn't they? reverted her back to being looking like the Hitches again. Companions have very confusing lives in Big
1: Finish. Yeah. <laughs> There's also um, a Big Finish where um, Claudia Christian is, plays her mother in one of the episodes, right. I think. It's um, a well, Cyberman story. Yeah, yes. it's a Cyberman story. And I, um, and of course, I mean, um, it, it's pretty good, but um, I, th- I can't remember where I heard it, um, but Claudia was like, "I'm younger than
0: Nikolai, so why am I playing her mother?" So. <laughs> but an actual American? Yes, yes. the guy that plays the stepfather, I'm right in saying he's not American. I might, I might have got that wrong, have I?
1: Uh the I what well, in the in Planet Fire? Yeah, he's certainly H- Howard. Yeah, he's he's definitely um, got an American accent in it.
0: I don't know if he is. Yeah, I think... Uh, I could be wrong, but I thought I remembered okay. reading that he's actually British, putting on an American accent okay. as okay. Nicola Bryan as well. That's right. Yeah, okay. Cool. Keeping it in the family. <laughs> yeah, didn't keep, you didn't carry it through to a whole, uh, whole family.
2: <laughs> it's that one Thanksgiving, discovered that none of them are actually Americans, they've just been pretending for you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought you were. <laughs> We've been reading The Age of Chaos... Which is uh, a graphic novel, which is predominantly taken up with Colin Baker's uh, Colin Baker penned story, uh, where the Sixth Doctor goes to Krontep, um, because this is the uh, this is a nice idea, isn't it, that the Sixth Doctor would would. Uh, not let Perry have a uh, final memory of him being sort of tied to a rock and being tortured. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. He would have gone back and visited her and make sure she's okay on, uh, on, uh, in her new life. Uh, but rather than picking up sort of shortly after that, it's, it's, uh, it's said that he visits fairly regularly, and this is, this is 10 years after his most recent visit. Um, and he goes to see Perry's granddaughter, um, who is called Actis. What you, is the point of this? There's some very strange names in this. Do we think they're anagrams? No, no and i think thinking that. That, cause some of them are very,
1: very odd. No, I was thinking that as well. Like Actis, what, what, what? Why, what? I, I, like. So my 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 main problem with this is not problem. My main sort of feeling on it is, if you, like, why are we going to Krontep and like the characters we're interested in seeing aren't in it. <laughs> i mean what's the point i just what? Well, i don't get it i just, I just don't get
0: it <laughs> i did wonder if there was a rights problem with getting perry and ukranos yeah, because but... they're the people you'd want to see um and ukranos has been killed off screen shortly before the events of the story hasn't he well, um, maybe just revenge on Brian <laughs> And it, it, there are sort of characters in there who you could imagine were Perry and Yucranos in an earlier draft.
1: Yeah, but one of them is a giant Michael Aspel.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, what? what and it just... I, I don't, I, is that Colin Baker going, I wish I was on This Is Your Life? I don't know.
2: Look, um, Is he not saying the doctor's most afraid of his past? I, I no, that's... It was a, it's a fear yeah. thing isn't it one's seeing dishonour the other one's being eaten by, like a penguin eating polar boat and he's seeing bizarrely Mike Aspel here's how old I am I thought it was Eamon Andrews at first. Oh, and I it. It, was actually, it was a later incarnation so.
1: <laughs> I, so look I mean comics are not my main source of entertainment or um, you, you know I, I mean, I did. I did read the comic. I absolutely remember the, the comic in Doctor Who magazine when I was growing up, and Absalom Dak or whatever, Dark or whatever, mm. um, uh, the guy with the chainsaw and Daleks or something, and Frobisher, I think. But I just, I just, I find it. Uh, uh, it's just less of my thing, you know, you've done that thing, Mark, where you've given me a challenge, like, <laughs> you know, next it's going to be Doctor Who in smoke signals or something. But, um, uh, I, I, um, was not f- sort of sure what the point of w- this was. Um, I think there's some good bits. I can kind of hear Colin Baker doing the voice. I think, I think he's got his, uh, the dialogue for him pretty good. Mm-hmm. You can sort of hear him sort of saying um, things. And there's a cu- There's one or two good jokes from Frobisher like, oh, maybe I can just, you know, shapeshift myself into a master key and we can get out of this room. Oh, there's some, st- some good stuff there. But it just seemed to be like pages and pages and pages of like fight scenes with like like dragon things and stuff and like... And then the doctor being pretty okay
2: with all these animals being slaughtered around, even takes part of them. It's, it's a lovely thing in the background with a laser gun blasting at the dinosaur thing. So.
0: <laughs> and him a vegetarian as well.
1: <laughs> Not forever though.
0: <laughs> and then every and then
1: doesn't everyone turn out to be a robot or something? I'm sorry, spoiler alert. But I mean, again, <laughs>
0: um, yeah, well, just... put one spoiler in the show notes. <laughs> uh. The first time I read it, I was
2: quite baffled. And I have read it again today, and I kind of made sense of it. So there's something that eats negative emotions, has seeded the land with a load of robots, which are somehow acting as conduits to these big spidery things that are in one of the protagonists. And they also put these spidery things on the back of people's necks so they're not completely out of the blue later in the story.
0: I think that's about the size of it. I think oh, I think what's odd is that there's some important bits that are just over and done with in one frame, and I'm probably quite like you, Colin. Um, I don't. The only comics I read are Doctor Who comics, so I'm not like a big comic reader. So we've got three people who
2: basically don't read comics reviewing a comic.
0: Yeah, but it's a Doctor Who comic. Yeah, because <laughs> no, I
1: mean, we we could have ended up loving it, and uh, it, it was. I mean, I'm glad I I'm glad you asked because it's like, well, okay, let's see. Um, but uh yeah no it's uh it's interesting it's like a you know when you're sort of looking at certainly visually how it's all put together i think it's um you know
0: it's it's great you know um some so of artwork and imagery and, and, and things like that isn't there right. but i think some of the some of the things that are re- revealed at the end so like the the identity of Ranith and the reason why Actis has got this strange uh, ability. Definitive. Yeah, that was totally out of the blue, wasn't it? There was nothing yeah. that built up. But it, it, I don't think they're built as a mystery. So, um, I, again, so there'll be a, a spoiler warning. Hopefully, you've already read this. So, Ranith turns out to be Perry. So, we're told at the beginning that Perry has left the, the Citadel or wherever they live. Um, because her grandsons have been at war over who's going to take over the crown um, after Ekranos' death, and I think their son's death. Uh, so she takes off, but there's this character called Ran- this hooded figure called Ranith, who is just sort of there in quite a few frames. But I think if there'd been something that said, oh, this is, uh, you know, when the Doctor and said, oh, this is Ranith." This is, you know, a trusted advisor to the crown or some, something like that. It was just this hooded figure who just says the odd thing, um, and, and then you wonder how Ranith did. Did Perry leave one day and then Ranith appeared the next day and then just said, uh, "I veagled her way into the uh, the upper echelons of Krontep society," or did Perry do some groundwork beforehand so occasionally she would leave the room and don the cloak and come back in and put a voice on and say. <laughs> Ah, ah. And say I'm Ranith, and Perry sent me to, uh, yeah. Queen Perry sent me to uh, to tell you what to do. So she sort of built up this uh, this persona and this character so that people would listen to her. When Perry pretended to flee, uh,
2: like a tall horse running out the door, throwing a cloak
0: up. Yeah, <laughs> it felt like that needed a little bit of that character needed some kind of an explanation. Uh, you know, the doctor didn't because the, the doctor said uh, when he's introduced to to the bad guy Farley. Um, the, the doctor sort of says I don't know you I, I haven't met you before and the guy goes oh yeah I was just kind of a junior minister or whatever last time you were here but he doesn't say who's this mysterious hooded figure who keeps chipping into conversations every so often um, it's just totally ex- expected and then or accepted and then the other very strange bit is when they're on one of their quests they're being stalked by this upright crocodile with a, with a big gun who's um, sort of following bit, following a bit, and then when they um when they release the chap who's um who's like some kind of a god bionoma
2: the god who's not a god, yes
0: yeah, so that he gets released, and then the crocodile appears with the gun, and bionoma zaps him, and there is no like caption anywhere <laughs> to explain what happened, and there's no dialogue to suggest that nobody either says. Where did that crocodile come from? Who was that? <laughs> what just happened? They just he appears, Bionoma zaps him, and then they just carry on as if nothing's happened. So yeah, I that was that was quite an odd thing that just needed a little bit of a couple of speech bubbles or something to say. Who was that? Where did he come from? Because then obviously another identical crocodile turns up, and nobody goes, "Hang on, I thought you were dead." Or who are you? But obviously it's because they turn turns out to be a robot. So it's just sort of. It's just sort of oddly put together, and the things that are significant aren't given a lot of significance in the text. I think it just makes it
1: kind of hard to follow. I just phew, not sure I picked up on much of that. You know, it's just like okay, lots of. I mean, I felt like there was a lot of ancillary characters everywhere, uh, and it's like, and I was just like, I kind of just want to. It's put on like new to comics or whatever but I was just like okay who are you again and what do you want a to- and this like a toning thing like like, yes. like Game of Thrones light uh, <laughs> goes on forever you know it's like a tone, a tone, it's like okay alright Prescott um, he says to delete and also your mention of Raneth being Perry, um, she's got a lot taller if you look at the last page <laughs> so <laughs> and she must be quite elderly yes If her grandchildren are quite. I mean, they're
2: not children, are they? But grown up, so she must be. If she's still aging like a human, she's knocking on them. That's true. Because it is just like throwing um, darts at people and. Now, is it her who does for the the big uh, Bad in the Atonement bit, or was it the other brother? I couldn't work that out. 200 figures. We're present at the same time. So was it Perry who did for the big bad, or was it the the brother? I think it was. I thought the first time I read it, I thought, oh, the brothers come, blood as he's rescued the party, but then it turned out. I thought, well, what is it? Hey, but was it actually Perry who did
0: No, I think it's Perry because afterwards they say, where did Ranith go?
2: You're right, they did. Mm.
0: But yeah, it's confusing because they don't go, oh, there's Ranith, she's come to save us or anything. It all happens, and then they go, where did Ranith go?
2: Um, yeah, because I am just a bit baffled why it has being down on the brother when I thought, oh, fundamentally, that's not just a really good thing, then and you no, know, it makes more sense now if it, that wasn't
0: actually the no. I still didn't understand why the doctor didn't just take the TARDIS when they when they said that we're going to go to um, uh, Brachion, They say, you know, we've got to because they, they they just they don't really know a lot of what's going on, do they? They know that um there's all these dragon creatures that are attacking the citadel and that this is the, the age of chaos that they're, that they're living through the age of chaos with Ed Miliband. Cause there's i uh, I'd um, be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't a day I don't wake up and think what a, what a bullet we dodged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so they, and they say, well, one of the, all the animals have gone crazy um, so but they never step foot in this place called Brachian so they say, Well, we'll go there. And I thought, why doesn't doctors fly the TARDIS there? <laughs> so they go overland and it takes days and they have to battle through, and and like you say, Keith, slaughter loads of wildlife <laughs> um when they get there. And and that's when they free um Bionoma, who is uh who is this god, and it, who it turns out is Actis's father. Um, he's not a god because he
2: wouldn't have got captured But his release magically Improves the whole landscape
0: Yeah and, and also he magically Appears in the cell To rescue Frobisher as well doesn't he So he's, he's an extremely sort of powerful being Who I, I think I saw him as like um, A sort of a Zeus like figure because uh Obviously, he's um, he's been making merry with the women folk as well, and that's like a Zeus thing, isn't it? Sort of transforming himself and and sort of seducing mortal women and uh, and things like that. So, um, it's because right, it's right. his mother, who's the wife of Perry and Echionus, son had an affair with this godlike figure. Oh God, <laughs> it's just EastEnders now.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm just thinking there used to be a TV
2: comedy called Soap, and it used to have like really. Elongated Beginning, which just described all people's family ties at ludicrous length, it just reminded me of that. <laughs> One thing I did like, though, was this idea of this uh, place where the, the dishonoured people got sent, and, like, like, the air is poisoned and dark because of it. It's almost like the planet emotions do affect the landscape. Like, all these criminals and dishonoured people are sent there, and it's actually affected, it's poisoned the land. I thought that was quite intriguing.
0: Yeah, that's quite cool. I think Because that's where the the atoners, uh, or whatever they're called, are, isn't it? And um, Lurking out. Yeah. They they're, they're sort of... And that trap they fall down
2: to must be like, they must have to reset that because the brothers fell down, and then they fall down. Did we, did we discover why the skeletons were animated? Or was that just
0: part of the poison? Yeah, because we're supposed to think that that's the, to- the two brothers, I think, aren't we? The skeletons that are chained together yeah yeah that's what I assumed the first time that that was um that was the the two brothers who are Perry's grandsons, who are battling for the throne while well, not wearing a lot of clothes yeah <laughs> there's, a, there's
2: a lot of half naked men being very active in this which I did appreciate <laughs> so even though when I was baffled it was uh, there's definite highlights in it
0: uh, but then, in the so, uh, and we know that they're search- searching for this alien called the Narung, but nobody's quite sure what it is. And then it, you think it's a crocodile monster, but they're robots, and Farlig's a robot, and the leader of the atonis is a robot. <laughs> this, virus, <laughs> this this sort of virus, isn't it, that um, that has possessed Farlig, and then um, tries to possess the doctor, but because he can, he can stop his heart one by one. That that. That sort of scuppers the virus somehow, and then they get eaten by little lizard. Yeah, I quite like
2: that though. I thought that was quite a nice thing to have this big powerful thing just get swallowed. Yeah, so put- by the comic relief yeah. uh, character. Yeah. It's strange having like little comic relief figure when you got Frobisher there as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, Frobisher doesn't doesn't add a lot to the story, does he? Other than like you say, sort of wisecracking, and um, it's too much like a penguin as well. The original
2: Frobisher. Was basically a cartoon, wasn't it? So he could have expression. Whereas this one they've gone to a lot of trouble to make it look angry. As a result, it's hard, it, it loses that sort of like the uh, right expressions you would pull on things. Mm. It needs floating eyebrows above his head. <laughs>
0: um, and, and yeah, if he's not changing shape, it doesn't feel like there's an awful lot of point to having there, does it?
2: Mind in the original comic he had monomorphia, didn't he? Because they suddenly realised otherwise it's to get out of jail God, But absolutely every situation they're in, so he, he caught monomorphia and got stuck as a penguin for a long
0: time. Ah, right.
2: Except for when he didn't.
0: I need to reread some of those then. I uh yeah. I can't remember him that well. I like the character of Calf, but I think and it's just because he's he's so very much like Ukranos, isn't he, when um He's just constantly calling his opponents scum and stuff. And in one of the fights, he says, miserable, scum-brained pig. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, you can sort of imagine um, Brian Blessed uh, saying that as Ukranos, Which kind of made me wonder if maybe in early draft, his character was Gikranos. Um And maybe it was Perry that needed to be gone, rescued rather than Actus.
2: Did you read
0: the thing at the back where
2: Gary Russell and Colin Baker like a little bit about I mean, it sounds like from the way Colin Baker says now it was always his intention to revisit it later on see how the family developed later but uh, that's with the benefit of hindsight I don't know
0: yeah because to not even show Perry's face at the end does seem odd it does it feels like a Right it's like a reveal, isn't it? I mean, yeah, if you're know. going to
2: make that big announcement and, and just have it as a, a hooded figure staring at the TARDIS. Yeah. One thing I was pressing was the use of the TARDIS key, though, because in the new series, it's sort of become part of the TARDIS, hasn't it? Whereas uh, it's part of the TARDIS here, and you use it as a catapult to disable this thing, which sounds a bit like TARDIS, but isn't it? Yeah, the
0: Tardina. The, uh, the, the, I'm glad, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite a nice idea that because the TARDIS key exists, it's got a different relationship to time or something. Uh, it's a bit like Father's Day, isn't it, where um, where they can sort of reconstitute the TARDIS using the key.
2: Yeah, it means that's become the TARDIS key being a thing and it's become a bit of a feature later, so a uh, bit of presence of old Colin there, so well done. Very good. So there's, uh, there's some
0: other stories in this collection as well. Yeah.
2: Uh, Speaking yeah, a few from people I don't like so I ignore those I just read the nice one at the end with the uh, three doctors in it which I thought was
1: quite jolly so. well I, I, I skipped the next one I think the art the art looks very good on it but I didn't read it
2: I remember that the first time it came out oh. but he's blocked me on Twitter recently yeah, so I've gone off him I'll and see. so it was the next author so I've gone off him too
1: <laughs> oh, really have they
2: yeah I've been on a roll recently
1: <laughs> What Why? did you Why? have an interaction okay. with him or? Uh... Um, nope, neither. So. People are weird. That is weird. Yeah, I mean, I can I can understand the other one because yeah, oh,
0: know, Paul Cornell. But... Oh yeah,
2: terrible. Oh,
0: I see. Right, I see. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I really enjoy Paul Cornell's writing uh, and, and his work. and I, oh, like I used to. <laughs> Um, but speaking of sort of prescience the metamorphosis which is the Paul Cornell one uh, and this is a story from the Doctor Who yearbooks that briefly replaced the annuals in the 1990s it felt like you've got some sort of um, like the eggs stir thing that's um, very much like uh, Asylum of the Daleks isn't it when um, When Rory meets <laughs> the Dalek, and it's saying eggs, eggs, and he thinks that one of the one of the um, the, the balls that's fallen off its skirt is uh, is an egg, and he goes, "Is this one of your eggs?" <laughs> uh, I thought so, the
2: you know, muted baby things were wonderfully creepy. I thought they were. I thought they were a splendid idea. I really like. That. I think that should be in the series.
0: They were like evil jelly babies, weren't they? Um, and it was a bit like that recent um, Big Finish story, Genetics of the Daleks, where the, the people are in suspended animation, and they're being mutated into Daleks while they're in suspended animation. Uh-huh. Um, so I felt like that was a little bit um, sort of prescient as well. Um, and, uh, and when we think of the New Adventures ace costume, <laughs> it's a sort of Dalek fighting, ass kicking, leaving yeah. to the imagination costume. <laughs> yeah no that was good that was a good bit um
1: <laughs> I, I i thought it was all right actually i thought it was kind of i mean it's shorter um it's it's kind of punchy and there's some some good lines in it there's some it, it sort of lampoons it uh, at the beginning it's like they're immediately at land and discover a dead body <laughs> and the doctor goes yes just take a your brig or something like that um uh it does. It, it's very kind of alien resurrection. Maybe it's sort of a little bit. I don't know. Like sort of eggs on a spaceship, and um, uh, again, and I wasn't quite sure. The resolution is just the Doctor sort of uses telepathy to destroy all the Daleks or something, and it's like, well, can you do that again? That's a bit out what the blue, isn't it? it? Yeah. All the I mean, yeah. uh, uh
2: Age of Chaos as well. The ending seemed incredibly rushed, considering you've had. Lots of pages are just, like, travelling and fighting and slaughtering things. Basically, the resolution's in two pages, isn't it? And that's... <laughs> it stops.
0: Yeah, and, as a, and it's very dense with information, the end of Age uh, Like we say, it's uh, it's revealed that um, Bionoma is Actis's father, but there's no ramifications of that, or... Um,
2: it's like, it still looks uh, as if they sort of realized that we're not of page count. You can't really paint the script for... Having a few pages, and that could been spread over several. We mm. just, just realised, oh, we're nearly at eighty-eight pages. that's think we've got to finish, and it's like we're crammed it all in the last few minutes.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought it'd be interesting if it turned out that Actis would then be the queen, um, because you know, because of her parentage or something, and she's got these these magical abilities. It kind of doesn't go anywhere, and I don't. I don't feel like the fact that she had abilities to control or communicate with animals was made into the mystery that it should have been. It was just accepted, wasn't
2: it? Quite nice. All well, the penguins are lining up to see it. I thought that was quite funny.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, that was cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, Metamorphosis I thought was quite like the New Adventures because the the Doctor is quite uh, on the back foot in the in that type of story, isn't he? In, in this one, the the, because these uh, sort of embryos are being mutated, he's being affected by that because of his Time Lord DNA. So that, that's the uh, the reason why he can telepathically control one of the Daleks is because uh, he's been altered to such an extent by these uh, by these rays or whatever. Um, but the the new adventures put the Doctor through the ringer a lot more than a lot of the TV stories did, and, uh, and I felt like that um, as well as as I say the the sort of the new adventures Ace.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's interesting. I, it just feel it just, I mean, it's very short, so you are trying to achieve a lot of things in a short space of time. Um, I just, it just feels like another kind of what, how, what, how where did that come from? Uh, type thing. But I did like, especially the, the almost last shot of them in the console room, and it's uh, it's got kind of angles to it, and it's got like it looks like. The TARDIS is all kind of touchscreen and iPad like. I thought that's that's a decent design. Or
2: they introduced uh, that into the uh, comic Sunday at that point, into the Doctor Who magazine, okay. that became their uh, their redesign. I think there was even a hint that the books were using it at one point as well.
0: Yeah, because I sort of remember one where it, it had no base; it was suspended from the ceiling. There was one that was that in the comics.
2: Oh, that was. Uh, Designed for that, like uh, B Sky B did a, uh, or one of the satellite channels in the early days did like a tribute to Doctor Who Weekend or Week or something and had it built in, in the background. I think that they sort of play, if there'd been a season 27, that might have gone that way because obviously um, season 26, the concert room had gone, hadn't it? So had they done it, they might have done that, might have been the model they used, So they just recreated it uh, as a model. Um, Oh, the captain was always did uh, special effects and then became a writer. He, um, I think, design, was it? I think it might have been his idea.
0: I, yeah, that rings a bell now, yeah, because it, it, it was a model, wasn't it? And they used um, green screen, I think, in the, was it the Doctor Who night? That they did Something like on?
2: that with Sylvester McCoy looking very awkward, CSO'd and beating it's... off an autocue in front of it.
0: Yeah, and um, what I'm thinking of actually, they, when Titan did, um, they did a three-episode story for the Seventh Doctor. I can't quite remember what it was called now, but it was written, I think, by Andrew Cartmel and Ben Aronovich, and it was Seventh Doctor and Ace and the um, or what is now known as the Countermeasures Team from Romans of the Daleks*. Oh, cool! And I think they used that design in that, um, as it was uh, that would have been a sort of de facto season twenty-seven story. Um, it's a good little run, there, actually. It'd be good if they did some more Seventh Doctor stuff. Especially with that sort of pedigree of writer as well. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. And then the, uh, the last story is Under Pressure, which, is, uh, which sees the Seventh Doctor reminiscing about an adventure he had as the Fourth Doctor, in which <laughs> he comes close to meeting the Third Doctor. Who doesn't uh, recognize him. No, but this is uh, this is another yearbook story, and I and I remember this one actually from the yearbook. Um, and the bit that I remember, that because I remember really liking it at the time, is the bit where the Fourth Doctor arrives on the submarine, and he's uh, he's sort of investigating it and knocking on walls. And then there's the frame where he turns and and seems to look at the camera, and says, "Wouldn't you agree?" And then it turns out there's a crewman there with a gun who's. Uh, he was looking at him, and that really, I thought that really captured the fourth Doctor <laughs> uh, sort of whimsically just talking to himself, but then suddenly turning and uh, uh, his huge eyes sort of coming to bear on somebody and, uh, and asking them a question.
2: The artwork's really good, but you can tell exactly where everybody is. Yeah. I have to say, some, some of the artwork in The Age of Chaos, I mean, if the Doctor wasn't wearing his coat, it would be hard-pressed to guess it was Colin
0: Baker at times. <laughs> yeah. He's much sort of craggier-faced in some of them, isn't he? And, uh... I mean,
2: some of them he... Yeah, he looks a bit like Bruce Forsyth in some of them in a curly wig, and others okay. he looks a bit drunk. Uh, yeah. Nice yellow tie, though. I like this change of costume. We've got the Sea Devils as well in the later
0: story. Yeah, and Joe Grant. It's, um, it's a nice sort of cosy story, that one, isn't it? It's... Uh, it's um like a few sea devils have uh have got on board the submarine and um they uh, they managed to repel them the way that they always repel the homo reptilia by uh, making them go back to sleep. Or <laughs> yeah. well, it's going back to sleep or killing them all with gas, isn't it? And uh, yeah. this is <laughs> yeah. Sleep this or slaughter, I guess.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it might not even be a dream, it might just be the doctor telling a pill, so
0: Yeah, that's true. Right, true. But uh, it was a nice, nice sort of, uh, nice, cozy little story. And uh, I thought they, they captured the voice of the third and the fourth Doctor really well. Um, Joe Grant doesn't really do very much, but it's sort of nice to see her as well.
2: So is this the first opportunity for a Doctor to actually write for his own character, the yeah, actor to write for his own
0: Doctor. I think so. I think uh, probably the only sort of precedent for this would have been Ian Martin writing Harry Sullivan's War. Was he Tom Baker—they wrote the—he and Ian Martin wrote the script for Scratch Man. Of course, which, yeah. Uh, more recently, he's turned that into a novel. He's turned it into. He's turned it into. A... I think James Goss gave him a little bit of help, but. Uh... <laughs> Um, but it's quite in vogue now isn't it because Sophie Eldred has written her book about Ace at childhood's end and um, Alex Kingston has recently uh, (laughs) Keith's doing some some air quotes every time I say yeah written here just for for the listeners at home (laughs) Uh, yeah Alex Kingston has written The Ruby's Curse which is a story about River Song um, and indeed about her Pulp, Detective Fiction, Alter Ego, Melody Malone. Uh, and I think Matthew Waterhouse has written an upcoming Adric. Because uh, Big Finish are doing these uh, sort of original audiobooks now, aren't they? Um, yes. The Scourge of the Cybermen is the first one. And then Matthew Waterhouse has written one. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it doesn't come out till January, I think.
2: With The Fourth Doctor and Daleks
0: mm.
2: It's funny, uh, Marty Waterhouse, very sort of like, um, about his character, he's always in relation to The Fourth Doctor, I think it was definitely how he, the most he enjoyed playing the character was against Tom Rossari, considering how fractious they apparently were, but it always seems to be his default position, he's said a few times how he's, uh, he thought his character were better with The Fourth Doctor.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I
2: think Possibly not.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> he wrote one for the the Target Storybook, which is a um, short story collection, and uh, that's a story about Adric and Nissa. So it's a Fifth Doctor story, but I don't think the Fifth Doctor is hardly I seen in it. It. No. <laughs> it's set during um, the visitation. Um, I think when they're trying to move the TARDIS. I think I'm right saying this. I think when they're trying to move the TARDIS in the Visitation, this is a little adventure they had in the deep south of America um, with like Huckleberry Finn or something. Okay. Yeah, movie.
2: because uh, Matthew Waterhouse played him on stage, so you did an adaptation on
0: stage. Ah, so. uh, right. Uh, yeah, so maybe that's why. Uh, maybe so he, um... Surprise,
2: Big Fish haven't got a whole box set after that, they had big Canissa adventures.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's it. So, yeah, it's. Um... It's interesting, I suppose, when when the actor uh, writes for their character. Has Louise Jameson not written anything? Because she's she's sort of writing and directing now. I think she'd be. Like, I think she did
2: a fourth Doctor one, didn't she? Did she with some lady who'd been in the parties for like since they left Gallifrey? Really. Hmm.
0: I haven't heard that one. I've to look out for that. But yeah, so she seems like um, she would seem like an ideal candidate for it being you know sort of a an established writer as well and kind of knowing that character so well you know, I haven't, haven't really probably done you know done as much work as the writers did uh, with Leela certainly, you know, she um, she keeps a very consistent characterization throughout She.
2: I have another friend, Mark, and uh, yeah, I can see that uh, Louise Jamieson and David Warner have directly she to every single big finished production Yeah,
0: <laughs> Even when you don't know they're there, they secretly are because she's directed the uh, the recent Young War Doctor set as well, hasn't she? Okay. Cool. Um, which I was listening to. And that is uh, the, the chap's name's gone out of my head who plays the Young War Doctor. But I think that is the most... Uncanny, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. I think Jacob Dudman is very, very good as the 11th Doctor. But this guy... Is pitch perfect,
2: supernaturally absolutely.
0: accurate, isn't it? It's is, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it looks like Jonathan Carley. Jonathan Carley, that's it. Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely amazing. It's
2: incredible. He's quite a young guy as well. As I was quite surprised when I actually saw a picture of him. And uh, yeah, he is. But the the, the, the vocalisation is uncanny. I'm not surprised they snapped him up.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. They need to hang on to him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. a bit negative, but usually a bit more positive on this. There must be
1: things we like. It's because I'm here, right? It's not <laughs> that. I mean,
2: I I've, I've kind of feel it myself. I, was, I mean, I was saying before, before Mark came on, I was like, I read it the first time, I found it pencils and I spent the entire day rereading this time, finding bits I liked. I mean, I, I think I've said I wrote down all the bits I thought were good, but uh, I, I did struggle with it. I feel a bit guilty because I feel like I'm uh, being a bit of a Colin fan. I feel
1: like I'm sort of Limbalib. <laughs> no, same here. Like he's one of my favorites as well, and uh, I absolutely love his era. It's just this this particular thing didn't do it for me.
0: That's all. But he's still brilliant. And I think you know he's quite an experienced writer, but I think writing comics yeah. is probably a different discipline. Um, and good for him
1: for trying, yeah. and it's not terrible or anything. It's just it's just a combination of. I don't really read comics, and I therefore I'm not into the following the perhaps the jumping around a bit mm. so um, to be um but you know he is like you know a, a newspaper columnist mm. um he has written sort of some target stuff you know um so yeah, good on him for doing it but um
0: and, it, and it, uh, I believe it's the longest Doctor Who comic story as well so it is um it is a big to write it, into yeah. the uh, into the world of comic book writing isn't it. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I don't know how comedy writing works in terms of, uh, you know, how much say the writer has over what appears in the panel or whatever, or how much the artist does. Um, well, we know someone we can ask. Don't it, we. <laughs> it, it seems like quite a collaborative um, thing. So maybe some of the lack of clarity isn't necessarily down to um, the writing, you know, in, in that way. That's, um yeah. But yeah, there there is stuff to like in there. I mean, I think the you know the fact that Krontep is isn't just a straightforward sort of quasi medieval society. You know that there is um, like you were saying, Colin, about the you know the idea that the that the land is shaped by you know this one area being where all the outcasts and the criminals go. That uh, there's this being who you know in some way sort of brings balance and harmony to nature and that type of thing. It's you know, they could just have done sort of a Game of Thrones type um type affair, but there is there is a bit more to it than that. So it's it's interesting in that way. Um but yeah, I think where the reveal of Ranith and and the reveal of of Bionima as Actis's father could have been quite big moments. They're sort of um sort of tossed away a little bit because the build-up hasn't been there. Um and um it's it's all very like there's one all, frame of it,
1: and and also it's more like like I said earlier, it's like it's it's just not interesting. If you're going to go to the planet, you want to see Yukonos and Perry.
0: You want to you just see Perry see. immediately react to her new home and and her new lifestyle and things. Yeah, yeah, just it's odd. Yeah. It's mm. odd.
1: There's probably a good reason behind it, and we we can probably find out. But uh, as a reaction to it. I'm, there you go. Can't we return negative again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, you, you can cut that out and just edit or, <laughs> uh, it on, on a good bit, but you do ask me to review the weirdest shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can you review the, um, the thing Colin Baker said at a convention in 1996? <laughs> 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 this is a bit old, We'll give it to Colin.
0: Um, but yeah, I mean, so I think it's an interesting little collection. Um, it's a very, very handsome book. It's got a nice cover, um, and would we'll sit nicely on the shelf with uh, with the other Doctor Who magazine graphic novels, of which there's um, there's um, there's a great, yeah, great selection of now all available from Panini.co.uk. Uh, so, where can our listeners find you two on the internet, Keith? Well, I am on Twitter. I am 50DW50,
2: which I'm going to have to change to 60DW60 at some point, but uh, I am still there. Um, I found this splendid chap on uh, YouTube who is um, currently going through um, all of Dudley Simpson's work, transcribing it and playing them on the piano. So I'm doing a lot of retweets of those at the moment. So uh, I find them splendid. So a quick plug for that because I'm really enjoying his work. So... Uh, if you like the music of Dudley Simpson, follow me and follow the links.
1: Has he, has he got to um, City of Death Yeah, Not yet, no. He's an actually stunning
2: one for uh, uh, the music for Rybos Operation, you know, for in the early morning when the uh, guard's going around the, uh, the, uh, uh, the crown jewels room, for want of a better word. Yeah. Uh, so no, that's
1: amazing. So, uh, yes, listen to him.
0: Cool, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Follow me, follow him. (laughs) (laughs) And Colin?
1: Uh, I'm at Colin underscore Neil um, uh, on Twitter. And I don't post very many things. (laughs) I just sort of retweet political stuff that gets on my
0: tits. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping very busy at the moment then. yeah. And you can follow me, I'm at QuarkMcMalus, and you can follow the podcast at trap1 underscore, and find all our previous episodes at trap1.podbean.com Thank you very much for listening, goodbye Uh, Goodbye. Bye